So today's episode is a little bit more just for fun, but I did come across some stuff that is educational as well, I guess, in the usual fashion that I do. Um, the thing that I want to talk about before we even get started, though, guys, is I was reading mostly about wild animals getting high, but then I was also thinking that there's a lot of people that think it's like funny or cool to get their pets high or like blow bong hits in their dog's face or whatever and it turns out this is actually super dangerous for your pets and i found a lot of reasons why that i thought were interesting and that i thought i should get out there at least to anyone that's listening to this podcast just so you know that that's not a good idea it's very harmful to your pet and potentially life-threatening. So normally, we think of marijuana as pretty safe. It's my favorite drug. Um, But there are some side effects, especially in animals. And the reason why is because pets, they actually have more uh, cannabinoid receptors than humans do. So the drugs are affecting them more than they would normally affect humans. So THC interacts with neurotransmitters, norepinephrine, dopamine, serotonin, and acetylcholine. And the CB1 and CB2 are the two types of receptors that we have in our body. So CB1 affects our central nervous system, and CB2 affects our peripheral tissues. So CB1 is responsible for most of the effects of cannabis. So what this means is cannabis is going to do things to your pet like slow their heart rate, I guess slow or elevate, so just affect their heart rate, blood pressure, Uh, slow down their breathing, lethargy, increase or decrease in temperature, and while those don't seem that serious, it actually is very um, toxic to pets. So there's at least 80 different cannabinoids that we know of in marijuana. THC is the one that we're most familiar with, and then I would say CBD. And then there's various different um, cannabinoids after that. So I went to the Pet Poison Helpline, and I was just reading some of their stuff about it. And it says, I don't know when this came out, but it says that over the past six years, they've had a 448 increase in marijuana cases in pets which we can attribute mostly to increased legalization but guys we need to be aware that if a pet or yeah someone gets into your weed stash that is not aware of the dosage or especially with edibles there can be some pretty intense effects So, sedation, lethargy, dilated pupils, glassed over eyes, difficulty walking, vomiting. Uh, Your dog will probably start crying or whining. Um, Cats are affected this way as well. I'm saying dog because most of the stuff I read was specific towards dogs, but a lot of the stuff just said your pet and did mention cats as well. So, this can lead to trouble regulating temperature, which I mentioned earlier, incontinence, Tremors, seizures, and potentially even a coma. The signs of the toxicity can be seen anywhere from 5 minutes to 12 hours after the animal is exposed to marijuana. 
Also, pets metabolism marijuana differently, so they actually will be affected for much longer than humans. So yeah, keep your keep your weed locked up, guys. If you're smoking it, uh, have good ventilation. Don't don't have your dog in your room and hotbox your room. That's not cool. Um, if if your pet is acting like it is intoxicated or high on marijuana, there is the poison the pet poison helpline, which is eight zero zero two one three six six eight zero, and that's available twenty four seven, no matter what the day it is. But guys, just be responsible. I know it seems fun sometimes, like maybe even your dog likes it, but it's not really safe. They're, yeah, it's not really a good idea. So you don't want to have to take your dog to the vet to get fluids into it or to make sure that they're regulating its temperature or something so your dog's okay. Because that's awful, guys. Or your cat. Sorry, your pet. I have a dog, so I just keep saying dog. But you get it. I'm not biased towards any pets. I love all pets. Even Secret Life's of Pets, the TV show, the movie. Hello, welcome to the show. Today we are going to be talking about wild animals that like to get high. And no, I am not talking about you at home, listener, you wily space cadet. I'm talking about those furry little critters that we love. So, our first story comes from a legend in the 9th century. Um, all of our stories aren't going to come from legends, but I like this one because it mentions goats, and it mentions coffee, and supposedly goats discovered coffee. So, legend has it that an Ethiopian farmer named Kaldi discovered the caffeinating effects of coffee beans after discovering his goats stayed up and were energetic through the night after eating them. Now, I'm not sure that this story is 100% actually true, but come on guys. It's pretty awesome to think about goats uh, discovering coffee for us. I love goats. They're so cute. Okay. Moving on, though, as we do. Uh, our next story, or I guess our first real story, is about caribou. Or reindeer, if that's your preference. Uh, I don't know where you are in the world, so I'm going to try to cover both politically correct terms for you guys. So, uh, I think this one is interesting because there's sort of a symbiotic relationship here where um, the animals are getting high and then the humans are sort of using the animal to get high as well. So, it's sort of kind of awesome in theory. Uh, conceptually, I guess it's a little bit gross. Anyways, I'll just get right into it. So... The drug of choice for these feisty deer is Amanita muscaria, or fly agaric. So, these are the little red and white spotted mushrooms. They're super famous. They're in all types of art representations. Um, you see them a lot. They're probably one of the most famous kinds of mushrooms. But I just want to make the distinction that these aren't magic mushrooms or the shrooms uh, that people sometimes refer to. Those are psilocybin or psilocin-containing mushrooms that come in many different variations. So we'll be talking about those separately. We'll get into that 
That's a whole different thing. I, I just want to be clear about that. Uh, Amanitas, when not handled properly, is said to cause illness, uh, specifically severe nausea, muscle jerks, and other negative side effects. So apparently the caribou have a digestive system that is more able to handle the toxins of the mushrooms. So it is thought that the pea from the caribou that eat fly agaric will give you a psychedelic high, but without all the toxins that cause the negative side effects. And the Sami people of Northern Europe are the ones that are said to have figured this out. I think the mushroom doesn't sound all that fun. It sounds like it makes you pretty sick. I've listened to a couple representations, or not representations, um, just like people talking about that they tried it on different podcasts, and it seems very weird. But biologists have observed high reindeer twitching their heads, making strange noises, and acting as if they are drunk. Some people have even speculated that the story of Santa Claus and his reindeer could have come from traditions surrounding this mushroom practice. Which is sort of interesting because you have the red and white uh, clothes of Santa Claus, and then he's associated with reindeer. I guess that's kind of all the, all the connections I'm really making at the moment, but maybe there's more. Anyways, we're going to move right on to our next story. Is pufferfish a double entendre? So next up we have the rough-toothed dolphin, who were first observed by marine biologist Lisa Steiner in 1995 to be passing around a pufferfish in a small school. She hypothesized that the dolphins were ingesting minute amounts of a of tetrodotoxin, which is the neurotoxin that is found in pufferfish. Uh, porcupine fish, a few other different variations of fish as well, or whatever. Tetrodotoxin is a powerful neurotoxin that symptoms include paresthesia of the lips and tongue, which is then followed by paresthesia in the extremities, hypersalivation, sweating, headache, weakness, lethargy, incoordination, tremor, paralysis, cyanosis, aphonia, dysphagia, and seizures. The gastrointestinal symptoms are often severe and include nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and abdominal pain. Death is usually secondary to respiratory failure. There is increasing respiratory distress, speech is affected, and the victim usually exhibits dyspnea, dyspnea cyanosis, Midriasis and hypotension. Paralysis increases and convulsion, mental impairment, and cardiac, cardiac arrhythmia may occur. Sorry, guys, that's a lot of big words right in a row. Um, the victim, although completely paralyzed, may be conscious and in some cases completely lucid until shortly before death, which generally occurs within four to six hours. However, some victims enter a coma. So... It pretty much hits all the terrible things that you would want from a poison, I guess. And, yeah, it sounds very awful. This behavior has since been documented by other researchers, 
And you can also find footage of dolphins passing around the puffer fish in a BBC documentary series, Spy in the Pod. So this shows the animals carefully handling puffer fish, which seem to induce a trance-like state in the dolphins. So I think it's really funny to just imagine a bunch of dolphins, uh, like that 70s show style, sort of like a cartoon just passing around the puffer fish. I get a kick out of that, but uh, next we are going to be talking about lemurs that supposedly are getting high on millipedes. So these lemurs and capuchin monkeys seem to be doing a strange thing with these millipedes. So the millipedes store toxic chemicals, including cyanide which is released when they are agitated. The primates then pick them up and get them agitated, rub them all over their bodies, uh, coating themselves in the secretions. So there's some BBC clips on this as well, and it's kind of funny because the monkeys start passing it around. It looks like they're passing around a joint. But um, scientists mention in the video that the primary reason for this is that uh, the secretions protect them from parasites, but it seems like they're also getting a buzz out of it, which I think is very funny. So, now we're going to be talking about a thing that birds do. Uh, and this is kind of similar. So this is called anting, and they're not really 100% sure why birds do this, uh, one theory is the same as the last, um, that the main reason they do it is the secretions from the ants can cause some kind of coating that is beneficial to them. Other people think that it's because it soothes the birds during molting, and even some people think that it's just them getting high. I think the answer could be maybe a combination like they're saying before, but who knows? Who knows? Let's talk about the jaguars that eat ayahuasca. So I thought this was interesting. Um, now, to be a little more specific, the jaguars don't eat ayahuasca. So the, the thing I saw was a little bit misleading. Ayahuasca is two plants combined, and they're only eating... Banisteriopsis copy, which is still a psychoactive, but it is a vine that contains several compounds called beta-carbolines that potentiate the DMT from the other plants that are added, or the other plant, I guess, which is Mimosis hostilis, I believe. Now, uh, higher doses of this Harmala alkaloid often result in vomiting diarrhea, so one possibility is that they consume the vine to purge the intestinal tract of possible parasites. Um, however, I think based on what I've learned recently about harm, uh, Harmala, it actually can work as a psychoactive that increases your awareness it could potentially um, help them in hunting. Now, I'm not a scientist, and I'm just speculating, 
but I do believe that that is a possibility. So, um, next we have a story from Down Under, and this is coming from Tasmania, which is a leading producer of opium poppies for the pharmaceutical industry. I think that was a pretty interesting fact. I didn't know that. When I think of opium poppies, I think of Afghanistan, or maybe Vietnam before that, or I don't know. So it's said that these wallabies are coming in, raiding the fields, gorging themselves, and crushing their plantations in the process. This was even reported by BBC in 2009 after it was discussed at a parliament hearing when the attorney general stated that wallabies were entering poppy fields, getting high as a kite, and going around in circles. Living the dream, if you ask me, guys. No, I'm just kidding. Op- opium's um, no fun. Um, next are pigs that dig up truffles containing cannabinoids. So, this is super weird, guys. I never knew this was a thing. But, apparently, there's a thing called black truffles which is a gourmet delicacy for humans. You may know these if, yeah, you like fancy things. I I don't know much fancy things, I guess. But they are supposedly, uh, well, not supposedly, I guess. In a recently released article from the journal Phytochemistry, it was revealed that the black truffle contains the cannabinoid an and an anandamide oh man an andamide anandamide 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 oh my god i don't know guys i tried my best <laughs> but this is a compound that is related structurally to thc it's found endogenously in the human body and is a key component of our cannabinoid system. Uh, I guess this uh, explains a lot, too, about why um, they use pigs for some things, that some kind of testing that can work on humans. Their chemistry is, or their, they can get, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. Okay, anyways. So, anandamide, that's my best guess, derives its name from... The Sanskrit word ananda, which means bliss. And it may be that... Oh, now I really want to try these truffles. Uh, I wonder what the high is like, you guys. If you've tried them, you should definitely tell me uh, what you think. Um, I think one that's not mentioned here... Or that I didn't mention that maybe I should have. That I'm going to try to just look up. Is koalas eating um, eucalyptus. It's interesting because eucalyptus is supposed to be um, poisonous. It's low in nutrition and calories. And very fibrous. and Meaning that it requires a lot of chewing. <laughs> That's why you see koalas always chewing, I guess. Okay. So, yeah. um, The leaves are extremely poisonous, according to Google. 
which is always right. Just kidding, guys. Um, but somehow they have adapted their system to be immune to it. And they're, it's saying that there's a common mis misconception that koalas get drugged out or high. Like, they're putting such negative connotations on it. Come on, guys. It's not a big deal if the animals want to get high, okay? We don't need to call them drugged out. Jesus. Um, eucalyptus leaves, and that's why they sleep a lot. They need more sleep than most animals because eucalyptus leaves contain toxins and are very low in nutrition. So, I don't think that really is a reason why they're not getting high. <sighs> like, it's... I th I think you guys just don't want them to be getting high. Um, to really know, we have to ask a koala, which I would love to do. So, guys, let's find a way to get me to Australia and find a f dope koala. And we'll hang out and I'll do a podcast interview with a koala. Come on, guys. It would be sick. We would all love it. It would probably be the best thing ever. So, I mean, we got almost 20 minutes. I don't think we're going to get much more, but I'm just going to talk about it a little. So, it's interesting to think about, like, the stoned ape theory of Terrence McKenna and how maybe um, humans evolved, humans' brains evolved so quickly uh, in part because of psychoactive mushrooms. Which is a, probably something we're going to go into later in our little archaic revival uh, mentions. Because I love Terrence McKenna. I love the idea of the archaic revival. Uh, I think nature does it best, guys. And that's something to keep in mind. Now, if you're not familiar with Terrence McKenna, you're going to be as a listener of this show. Just to let you know. Because he's... A huge reason why I'm even doing this or thinking about a lot of the stuff I think about. But the stoned ape theory, if you haven't heard it before, is essentially the idea that there were primates that were roaming the savanna and they were following um, different herds of bovine animals. And, of course, because cow dung is essentially a perfect natural substrate for growing psilocybin and psilocin mushrooms the theory is essentially that these mushrooms were found in the cow dung and were eaten by our primate ancestors and this could be as he speculates part of the reason why the primate brain was able to evolve in such a short time and basically the idea is that the mushrooms fueled this evolution I think even if that theory isn't necessarily how we evolved, it's still important to look at these kind of relationships, especially like anthropologists or just people studying human behavior. I think it's important to look at the way that animals use psychoactive drugs or psychoactive substances and try to apply the learning that we we gain to try to understand more about our own um behaviors and patterns and i think that's something that's really interesting to think about maybe it's not super talked about but because i have interests in ethnobotany and 
of course, animals and drugs and different things. Um, this episode sort of lined up a few things for me, and I thought that was really cool. So here you go, guys. Hope your day's going great, and I will see you soon.